What's up, Work Advisors? I'm your host with a little bit of the most, Brad, and I'm excited to be here today. We are talking to an actual doctor. We have not talked to a doctor in a long time. We talked to Dr. Langer way back in the early days of Work Advice for me, but today, yeah, we're talking to Dr. Pepper Schwartz. How many of you guys like to drink Dr. Peppers? Because when I talk to Dr. Pepper Schwartz, I'm thinking about a Dr. Pepper immediately. Yeah. So that's just me. I'm I'm thinking about that. Who is Dr. Pepper Schwartz? Well, she's been on lots of TV shows. She's been on Oprah. She is a sex doctor, a relationship doctor. She is on the show Married at First Sight. Now, at Valentine's, we got to hear Sam Roll who was on that show, and now we're going to get to hear the doctor, who basically is the doctor of all the relationships they have on Married at First Sight. She's a blast. You're going to enjoy it. We're going to talk about relationships, parenting. Dr. Pepper, thank you so much for coming on. We do appreciate you here at Work Advice for Me, and you are the official, I guess, relationship and sex doctor of Work Advice for Me. Uh, Before we get to the show, Please like and subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. If you like this show, tell your brothers, tell your sisters, tell your wife, tell your husband, tell your friends. They need to be part of the Work Advice fam and subscribe. It's free. And make sure you leave us a review on iTunes and Spotify. Tell us how much you like the show. We need that. And um, what else am I missing here? Oh, like us on Instagram, Work Advice for Me. Follow us, slide into our DMs. Email me at the show if you want. Work advice for me at gmail.com. I'll answer your questions. Yeah, this question comes from Dolly. Well, hello, Dolly. She is in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we, we, we talk to a lot of people from Atlanta. I really like Atlanta. She says, Brad, what's one thing that you could tell us about relationships? It could be a tip for my husband and I. What's, what's something that helps you? Okay, it's a little deep. I'm not, I'm not a sex doctor. I'm not a doctor, Dolly. But I would say communication. Dolly, you have to communicate with your husband. If you communicate, your relationship will grow stronger. She's your best friend. He's your best friend. My wife's my best friend. Sorry, I went she. You got to be honest. You got to level with them, right? I level with my wife all the time. She levels with me. Sometimes she tells me things I don't want to hear. And I get angry, but I'd rather her tell me things I don't want to hear, Dolly, than things that she doesn't really mean. So be honest and communicate. Your marriage will improve, I promise. Thank you, Dolly. Now, it is about that time. It's about that time to crack open a can of Dr. Pepper and listen to Dr. Pepper Schwartz. She's going to be bringing it today, guys. I'm telling you. You want to sit back and relax? Now's your opportunity. Let's bring on Dr. Pepper. Okay, Dr. Pepper Schwartz, thank you so much for chatting with me today. I've been looking forward to this for a while, and you made some time, and I'm just really excited to talk to you. Thank you. You have such a wealth of knowledge. And, you know, to have you come on and and spend a few minutes talking about 
what you do is is fascinating to me and I'm sure it's fascinating to the listeners. Can you can you take us back to what it was like for you growing up? Cuz I always love to know what 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 your what people's childhood was like cuz it helps shape who you are today. Absolutely. Um I had two parents who had grown up um you know, trying to do the American dream. Uh, they both, mm -hmm. uh, my dad came from a immigrant farm family and my mother was a lot poorer than that. So, um, mm -hmm. my dad, uh, was one of those people who, uh, had a job during the day, went to school at night and became a lawyer. And so I grew up in a upper middle class household that started out <laughs> not at all like that for my brothers. Um, mm -hmm. and like a lot of, families, they demanded that you work hard, do your best, and that mm -hmm. good wasn't good enough. So there was a lot of love, but there was also a lot of demand. I mean, my mother would have me write book reports for her, and she would grade them. Oh, <laughs> so, wow. uh, you know, it was, yeah. What? Um, so, uh, you know, you were expected to be a first-rate student, and you didn't get a lot of um, points for that. That's just what you were supposed to do, you know? So I think for people who've grown up in, you know, sort of immigrant families, they understand the pressure. Uh, what was your mom's grading um, scale like? Is, was it the was it the grading scale today? Because I feel like the scales have changed in schools opposed to even when I was in school, thir you know, right. 30 years ago. It's different. What was her grading scale like? Uh, tough. Very tough. <laughs> Um, and, uh, uh, you know, you didn't get, you didn't get a, uh, you know, like a gentleman, a, <laughs> you got, uh, not just a grade, but you got critique, you know, like this is unworthy oh. of you, or this isn't your best work, or you didn't read that section well, or, you know, I mean, it was, um, it, it was one of those teaching things that you're grateful for. Um, looking back, but not so grateful for in the moment. Um, but, but they, they did. Um, <laughs> um, I remember my father who, who had no idea what he was saying when he said it. When I got into Yale University for graduate school, mm -hmm. he said to me, well, now I'm going to treat you seriously. Wow. I thought he did treat me seriously before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, so, it yeah. took Yale. Yeah, you to, know, you're yeah. supposed wow. to be. Yeah, right. Uh, okay, so I want to ask you this, because my wife fusses at me about this a lot. Uh, I She says I don't like criticism, and I don't mind it. I can take criticism. Do you think your your mom critiquing you helped you develop a thicker skin when it comes to critiques? Or how do you handle criticism today in your life? Because nobody likes it, right? None of it, nobody likes to be critiqued on what they do. No, and I think it's it's how it comes. I mean, if you feel mm -hmm. there's a foundation of respect, you can handle criticism. That just makes you better. Mm -hmm. But if you think someone discounts yes. you entirely, then anything they say, you're going to be defensive about because you don't feel like you have any footing to stand on. Um, I think giving constructive criticism 
is something that's been hard for me to learn because um, the standards were so tough <laughs> when I grew up. But um, but I, I think I think one has to be able to tell someone um, how to be better um, rather than they're just mm-hmm. awful. <laughs> you know, oh, yes. I can accept and- criticism depending on how it's given. I, I, and I, I accept it from my wife because I trust her and I know she loves me and it's from her heart. But it still is like <clears throat> you don't want to, you don't like your baby being criticized in what you're doing, right? And I do think it makes you tougher. It gives you a thicker skin. And it's something that I even struggle with today and I work on. So how did, how did the way you were parented shape the way you parent? Well, I was not at all as tough on my kids. <laughs> um, you know, I I gave I gave E for efforts, and um, I uh, probably was a little too soft on my kids. I don't know. I don't know if they would say that. Um, but but I didn't want them to have to feel like um, they would only be loved if they were achieving. And while I mm-hmm. don't think that was true of my parents, that's how I took it. You know, that it was not unconditional love. It was love if you performed. Um, so I didn't do that to mm-hmm. my kids. And they've done very well in the world. But but they might say I was maybe not stringent enough. I don't know. It, you know, you, you often overcompensate for the things that were hard on you, you know? Yeah, I think that's, but, but, they, but I think that's true hard. with most parents, right? <laughs> hmm. Yeah. But they what? It is. I think you, but you, make, you don't make the old mistake. You make new mistakes. <laughs> hey, to me, I, I guess, I guess my wife and I always say to each other, if our kids come back to see us, then we win. That's a win. If they want to come back and see us when they're old, then we did something right. We did at least one thing right. The fact that they want to hang out with us and be around us. So I do think that's a good win in that situation. Well, well, then I've won. I'm very close with my children and uh, <laughs> getting to know their children. Um, yeah, no, I've, I've definitely won then. I, I love my kids and I respect them. And I think they finally yeah. respect me. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay, so how did you get into your field? Like, what drove you to what you are basically, you're a master at, in my opinion. What drove you in that, what drove you to, 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 to be in that field? Well, a couple things. Um, the first one is uh, when I was, my mother was very liberal, even though she came from nothing. Um, and Mm -hmm. uh, she read a lot of the early works of Kinsey. Um, and there were a lot of those books on the shelves that I could take a look at. And I was like, Whoa, you know, um, and Mm -hmm. there's a short, uh, but true story. I, um, when I was 11, um, a friend of mine came over to my house crying that her mother had, um, found her touching herself and told her she was evil and going to hell. I'm not mm-hmm. exactly sure why she came to me crying about this, but I said, no, you're not going to hell. 
Uh, my mother has a book on sex education in the linen closet, and we're going to the linen closet. <laughs> so I took this little sex ed book out and gave it to mm -hmm. her to read. And, you know, it said masturbation was normal. And she was very relieved. Mm -hmm. And so I went to my mother and I said, Mom, we've saved Francie. We could save others. And so my mother started me having a little sex education group in my knotty pine basement. And um, we, um, I guess I felt good to have knowledge that, you know, could terrorize someone if they didn't have it. And, and I forgot about that. It's not like I did, you know, that throughout high school or something. But, but when women's liberation came around, Mm -hmm. And so much of the gender politics were very much based in sexuality and intimacy and um, who we were as men and women that, you know, my background enabled me to feel that was an area that I was comfortable with and I could contribute. But then when I looked for the research, the knowledge to, uh, to look at, it wasn't there. Well, much of it was mm -hmm. hearsay and I was already on the road to get a graduate education and an undergraduate education where, you know, like, show me the facts. Not just, you know, not this there's a study, but was a study done well? Can we depend on it? And um, I realized that, that most of the stuff written about sex or intimacy or relationships was just somebody's intuition. And so I decided, oh, no, I'm going to research this stuff. I'm going to find out what's real. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, how, how many years did you just dive into research and before you actually started, you know, help, you know, I know you were probably helping along the way, but where you felt like I have an authority in this now. Or maybe you don't oh, feel that way. A lot of yet. years. <laughs> a lot of years. <laughs> well, no, I feel pretty good fish. now. I do, you know, not now, it's not, not going to be never, ever, you know. Um, but, I think um, probably some years in my when my um, job my first hey guys stop it it's my dogs <laughs> a second stop that's it. okay yeah, like, you know kids like except it's dogs um, mm -hmm. the uh, stop it. Um, the um, where was I I'm sure I hope you can edit this <laughs> oh um, the, it's um, totally fine I would say years of my of my uh being a professor at the university of washington mm -hmm. i was in a big i had i had an idea i came to the university of washington with an idea of studying four kinds of relationships mm -hmm. and this was like in you know the 70s married couples okay. living together couples and then um gay men and lesbians so that i could compare all gender relationships where there was a lot of female background, all male uh, relationships, and then take a look at how they compared to heterosexual married and cohabiting relationships. And also to see if all kinds of relationships, whether they were all men or all women or, or, or mixed gender, had things in common. You know, where were the differences? Where were the similarities? And I happened to have a gay colleague at UW who was very mm -hmm. interested in looking at the gay couples in a scientific way. And so we wrote a research grant for the National Science Foundation, National Institutes of Mental Health, and mm -hmm. we got that funded and we did a very large study, 12,000 people, 
uh, wow. 600 interviews um, that, you know, when that was done and the book was out and there were many articles published, um, then I began to feel like I, I really know something now. I, I, I can mm-hmm. talk from a well of data that isn't just um, s- small stuff. It's just I, I felt like I yeah. could establish myself. As, and I became an expert witness in some important trials in the Don't Ask, Don't Tell trial. Um, and um, uh, the, the with, you know, with the Army um, and in the gay marriage mm-hmm. trials and in a lot of custody trials. And so I really had to read not just my stuff, but everybody's stuff in order yeah. to be uh, a witness in support of various kinds of important issues. Wow. Um, what's it like being an expert witness on a trial? I feel like there's a lot of pressure in that. I watch a lot of Dateline, and they always bring in oh. the expert witness. And I'm always like, wow, there's a lot of pressure because this person has to deliver the goods. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, you know, very stressful. You only do it. I only did it because I felt I, it was incumbent upon me because of the information mm-hmm. I had. Um, and I'm interested in social justice. And I felt there were a lot of myths about gay people that, you know, I needed, I had the information to go against. How could I not be mm-hmm. uh, a person who was, and also with, with custody trials or, other kinds of things in any kind of relationship, you know, what do the data say? And I felt like it was incumbent upon me to be there, but it's awful. It's awful. I mean, what they try and do, if they can't go after their knowledge, they go after you. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they try and undermine your credibility. So it's, it's no fun. Mm -hmm. I only did it because I had to, I felt I had to. Mm Mm-hmm. What uh, back to your your kids? How did they? How were they with your job? Because I got to be honest, if my if my if my family was if my mom or dad was your job, I would be like, oh, because you know, it grosses my son out when I want to you know make out with my wife. Uh, but I want him to see a healthy relationship, right? I mean, if he never sees me touch his mom, he's gonna think does dad? He's gonna take that into his marriage, right? And you want to show healthy relationships. Right. I agree. Um, my kids were a little embarrassed about it in the beginning, mm-hmm. but then it became something they could brag about. Uh, <laughs> Sutton Cooper was on the football team and I must've had every, not every football player, but a lot of them would come to me for advice. Um, oh and sometimes I knew a lot that their parents didn't know. But Cooper made me promise that, no, he's going to help me know and bring back advice to them, but I can't tell the parents. And so some of that was tough because, you know, we'd made a deal, right? Or he wouldn't have told mm-hmm. me. So I try to be like, he'll tell me, he'll go back to them, he'll give the advice, but I can't tell this parent. I'd have parents say, oh, my daughter isn't interested in guys. And I'm going like, oh, my God, I know much more than that. Um, but in any case, um, um, he used to, you know, he used to brag about, oh, you know, my mom's Dr. Pepper Schwartz and look what I know, you know, (laughs) 
My daughter was <laughs> yeah. embarrassed a little longer, but now she's a therapist. So it must have been a positive oh. uh, example. Is she a therapist in the same field or is it different? Pretty, pretty did, similar. Did she follow although, in your footsteps? Um, she, she, pretty much. Um, but she does do a lot of students, um, uh, young students in crisis. Um, but, but she also does some of the stuff I do. I, I want to ask you because you. I, I want to ask you your thoughts on this because we, my buddies and I, talk about this a lot. And actually, I was talking about somebody else the other day. What is the, what is the mentality in your mind? of I feel like we see a rash of this happening you know you're talking about high school we see a rash of all these female teachers who can't resist the 17 year old senior in high school like what yeah. what do you think's wrong in this situation because there's a you probably see it we I see it almost weekly like there's a teacher getting arrested and there's no end game the end game is always bad. It's never there's never a good end game, right? But there has to be some kind of trauma in their in their in their past that led them to that, wouldn't you think? You know, I haven't seen a study of uh, mm -hmm. adults that have had uh, extended or even semi extended relationships with uh, minors. Um, mm -hmm. but what I would say is there are a lot of people with very low impulse control, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's food or anger or sex or infatuation. Those yeah. are all things that are compelling to all of us in ways, but, but we have, most of us, not all of us have a, have a, impulse control that says yes i want that but no that's not right or yes i want yes. that but i'm i want to eat that but i'm diabetic um or i want to have that person but you know she's 15 or there's there's things that stop us even if we're attracted even if yes. we want it mm -hmm. um but for a lot of people they have no impulse control or very little. So, you know, it goes directly from I want it to, oh, here I am doing it. Um, and so I often feel that that is more critical than the trauma because mm -hmm. there's a lot of people with trauma and not all of them cross those lines. You know, I meet True. people who have had severe traumatic relationship. And even though it is more likely, for example, for someone who's been sexually molested, to have that model in their expression of self, the fact is the majority of sexually molested people do not do that. They recover from that. Mm -hmm. um, but still, it's more likely that that could be a factor in the background. But we mm -hmm. don't look at all the people who didn't go on to replicate it, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, we see the ones that did. Um, you know... I see so much self-destructive behavior in so many categories. And it just saddens me because as you see, the you know the end game here, as you say, rightfully so, is going to be very likely a terrible ending for all concerned. But they 
Yes. They don't have that stop in them. Yeah. Yeah, we they we all need the stop. I agree with you. That is that is so true. <clears throat> and it's it's amazing to me because you you see these people and they've got children and and they're just wrecking their their whole family's lives. It's really sad. It it is very sad. Um, I wanna I wanna jump with you to married at first sight because you are by far my favorite person on that show. <clears throat> Excuse me, you are by far my favorite Thank person you. on that show. I I love the advice you get. You're so you have such a good demeanor about you and it, it what were your initial thoughts on coming on the show when they pitched it to you we're gonna have people get married sight unseen because i could not do that i i could not do i think it'd be hard what were your initial thoughts on that well when they first called me which was like 10 years ago mm-hmm. um I was like, but they, they wouldn't tell me what it was about. They said, would you be interested in a show on marriage? And I said, well, maybe. And they said, well, we'll send you some uh, non-disclosure form, and then we'll send you a show that is presently being done in Denmark, which mm -hmm. was the first show I'd married at first. And see what you think. So they showed it to me, and... Of course, my first thoughts would be, why would you do such a thing, right? Yes. Um, why would anyone do such a thing? But then I thought, what? it's a social experiment. Mm -hmm. What would happen if you could start with commitment? That you, would, you, weren't, you wouldn't date. You wouldn't learn all the reasons why you shouldn't be there or romanticize the reasons why you should. You wouldn't be sucked in in ways by just attraction. Um, you'd have somebody who said, I want to build a lifetime relationship and I am willing. So I wanted so much that I'm willing to be in an arranged marriage, which is not such a foreign concept in some other countries. Mm -hmm. um, the idea in a place like India, for example, mm -hmm. is you don't know what we know about what we need to put together here to create a lifetime marriage, and um, we're going to do this for you because you're too young to make a good decision. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought, well, would that help? It? Would that work in America? We have no cultural, you know, standing to do that. So I thought it was worth taking a look at and mm -hmm. seeing if people volunteer, if they, if they choose to do this, we're not making anyone do this. Um, would this help some people? So that's why I went into it. I thought, let's see how arranged marriage would work with experts, not um, not family, and in a society that isn't used to it. Let's see if that would help people. Mm -hmm. uh, what what's the success rate? Do you know the success rate of the couples on the show that have gone through it uh, to today? Because this has been, what, 10 years, 12, 13 years? How, how long has it been? It's been a while, right? It's been a while. Is there a Almost good success years. rate? Is, is it a good one? Well, I'd say it's – well, it depends. This is going to be very loyally of me. Uh, it depends <laughs> what you call success. 
Um, you know, for example, if someone, I take a real thing, is together five years, um, is that a success? That's a long time. I would call it, it a success because it's, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. So if we count those kinds of things as opposed to everybody who's still married, it's about 18 to 20%. Um, so that's not as good as, um, you know, others. We're probably somewhere between 40 and 50% um, in the country. Mm -hmm. But remember, our denominator is people who can't do this for themselves people who've had trouble finding someone. So we get all the talented people in some ways out of the mix um, because they've been able to do it for themselves. Um, and we get people who, for some reason, sometimes just bad luck, um, haven't been able to, to put together a marriage. It, um, we do have, um, I would say, about 14 couples that are together or maybe more, I'm not sure about the number of couples, but we have at least 14 children. Wow. And we have several, three or four marriages that have two kids. So I feel very proud of that. When you, when you watch, uh, I don't, you may not watch it, but when you watch uh, Love is Blind on Netflix, that's basically what you guys are doing on Married at First Sight minus, I mean, you're, you're, you're you're getting to be you're getting to know that person up to the marriage, but you're meeting them for the first time after you agree to propose to them. So it's it's kind of the same. It's in the same vein. You're, you're just you don't see them first, right? And it's kind of a it's, you know it's 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 a good show, but you know it's it's kind of after what you guys do on Married at First Sight. In my opinion, maybe I'm wrong. Um, I think they're very similar. Um... We, our show um, is different in the sense that when they meet, um, they have to work within the parenthesis of mm -hmm. marriage as opposed to lead up yes. to it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so what they're hoping is that the, what they will have experienced um, intellectually and emotionally with each other mm -hmm. will translate to a proposal on um, first sight. Yes. Uh, so it's a proposal at first sight in some <laughs> yes. ways with more information about the person. Um, I, In some ways, that strikes me as even harder um emotionally um than our show because i always i used to um be the relationship expert on a dating site called perfectmatch.com okay uh, it's it got bought up by match and stuff like that and i would i would tell people don't email too long before you meet uh, because you're going to build up emotions and then if you see each other and there's no spark there, you will have already fallen in love and it's going to hurt a lot. So, so meet right away and then see if you want to go forward and, and deepen it. Um, in this case, you were in a way, in our case, in a way you are trapped to give each other that time mm -hmm. for eight weeks. We put you in this experiment 
And we're hoping that we can support that marriage in such a way with self-analysis, with, with advice, with expertise, with exercises, that we can bring you together. Um, in a sense, they uh, start off at the end of the show's engagement <laughs> so that those couples don't get any help. And so that, but they, but they've had all that wonderful talking time. So they're, they're different sorts mm -hmm. of things. Um, they're both ask a lot of human beings, a lot. And I always say that these people are very brave to, to, to do this. They are. I, I met my wife on eHarmony many, many years ago. And, you know, we emailed for about a week and then we met. So you're right. You want to, you want to meet her. I couldn't wait to meet her. I was so excited to meet her. And uh, I wake up excited oh. to see her every day. So, you know, there's that joy I even after, um, you know, 14 years of marriage, like or almost four. It's there's still that joy for me to see her every day and, and love on her. Um, I, I, I had Sam roll on. Uh, from oh, Sam. Sam. Yes. I love Sam. She was on and we chatted and I asked her, I asked her a question and you you answered it without even knowing I asked her this. I said, "Why would you go on this show?" Right? I, I I felt like I said, "You know, you you probably had options outside of here." And she basically laid out, "I was thirty, and I was feeling like my time was running out, and I wanted to do this." And you know, she said twenty thousand people signed up to be on the show. I didn't think I would actually get picked, and then and then she got picked. But I guess what I want to ask you is about you know, Sam and Sam said, you know, I asked her to basically when you see people and you're watching the show at home because you you don't get to see I don't you probably don't see their first reactions when they see their per, see their I don't know if you're there when they see them for the first time on the wedding day. Probably not. Um, can you tell by just looking that this person they're they're just she's not into that guy or that guy's not into her? I can see it, um, and we do get the pictures almost immediately. Oh, okay. Um, but, but we get, to use some jargon, we get both false positives and false negatives. Mm -hmm. um, the false positive is they, oh, my gosh, they really like the way that person looks. And then for what forever reason, that can fall apart almost immediately or very soon, even if you can see them really get off on the way the person looks. Mm -hmm. um, and we do try and match them with someone who looks something like the pictures of their exits. Okay. I mean, if we can't, sometimes we can't, mm -hmm. um, but, but um, because the other issues will be much stronger, you know, like there's, Oh my gosh, these people should love each other because of X, Y, Z. No, they're not each other's usual type, but you know, um, We've also had some false negatives. The most famous one of which was the first one with um, um, Doug and um, Jamie, where she collapsed sort of in a corner right after the wedding saying, oh, my God, what have I done? And the, the experts have failed me. And um, and they're our oldest couple. They're together and have two kids. I remember. I watched um, that season. I love them. That was great. Yeah, and they're still great. So. Um, you know, sometimes if they're really someone who gives the other person a chance, 
they can understand the attractiveness of that person that might not just, you know, just standing up at the altar might not show, you know, the twinkle in that person's eye, their sense of humor, their, their, you know, their, their fitness or their, um, their, whatever it is, you know, that they're looking for, they need to give each other a chance. We try and pick people who have tell us that they have become attracted to people over time. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's, we're just, they just stop almost like on hello. And, and we have made a bad choice then because we try not to have people who, who just take a look and go like, well, that's not it. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. that we feel terrible when that happens. But it has happened. So, and it's everybody's fear. Yeah. Well, so you go off photos of exes. So I would submit like Cameron Diaz and all. And you'd be like, oh, I guess we got to find a girl that looks like that <laughs> for me if I was on the show. Well, if you dated Cam <laughs> if you dated Cameron Diaz, we would take it seriously. But as Pastor Cal often says, if you haven't dated a supermodel, you're not going to get one here either. So, you know, so so, Dr. Pepper, do you have to see proof of me in the same photo with the person to know that's my ex? <laughs> well, normally there is a picture of them with this. If it's really <laughs> an ex, they should have a picture somewhere, yes. you know, of this person. Um, but on the other hand, if they just send us pictures of supermodels or, you know, everybody is um, Drake or somebody like that, I don't know. Um, mm -hmm. We... Um, we're likely not to pair them at all yeah. because if that's their expectation, we don't want that on anybody to have to compete with. I mean, um, we want somebody who's dated real people and it could be nice looking or even good looking. But if every single person they've dated, you know, has a certain template, you know, that varies from A to A, um, you know, we're unlikely to pick them. You, I, you know, what you just said is, is, is what I scream all the time when I'm watching the bachelor or any of those shows, the people are not real people. They, they're, 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 they're so beautiful. Like they're not people I'm going to run into at Walmart or target. It's like, I wish, I wish there was a show where, you know, we had normal looking people. There's, it's very rare. This show has normal looking people, which is a compliment. But when you watch a dating show, you never see, normal people it's frustrating like i want to see real people like real life people that i'm going to run into on a daily basis look wise well we try and do that because we're talking about marriage not dating <laughs> yeah um on the other hand on the other hand there are certain things that because it's marriage at first sight that there are certain people who would do well on um on a different kind of meeting, you know, so mm -hmm. for example, um, when let's say we have someone who's large, heavy, um, mm -hmm. heavier than the typical thing, female or male. I cannot tell you how many people say they want someone fit. Um, quite a few people will say, okay, he can have a top, he can have a dad bod, you know, or I, I can have, she can have 20 pounds extra. And then it gives us license to do that, right? Mm -hmm. um, because, well, you don't want someone rejected. I mean, we that's this thing is tough enough without being rejected at first sight. And if somebody wants someone fit and we've got a great person 
in every other way who isn't fit, we don't want her to be judged badly. That's that's not friendly to anybody. Mm. Um, yeah. We have certainly picked people who are thin or slim, but but we have to have somebody who's accepting of that, or even likes that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there are people who like bigger people, but we they have to have all that other stuff together. We start with usually a very big pe- pool of people, and you'd be surprised how few choices we get down to when it comes to individuals because of trying to do their physical, so what they say physically, and then, you know, what their values are and what their religious values are and the kind of lifestyle they want, how they feel about children, how they feel about dogs. It becomes pretty, even the core list of stuff is complex. So the thing about looks is we we tend to go for people who we think at least are nice looking. They don't be handsome or beautiful, but nice. Every now and then we'll pick somebody who's who's quirky looking, but we mm. just think they're fantastic. And <laughs> and we'll go back to the other person and say, you know, kind of like, you know, make sure that they, they would appreciate that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, somebody who tells me, don't bring me anyone too thin, We even if we see a match and that person's really thin, we can't do it because they say, don't do that. So it's hard. I can't It's imagine. hard. <laughs> it, so when, in talking with Sam, you know, she she said uh, she initially wasn't attracted to Neil when she saw him. And as right. as she said, I knew I would eventually become attracted to him. And, you know, she said at the end, he didn't want her anymore. And I, you're you're about intimacy. And I asked her, like she said, the cameras are on you constantly. I feel like if it was me, it would be so hard for me to be intimate with my wife in, you know, because, you know, I brought this up, Dr. Pepper, this is a big thing in dating. You know, as you date, you learn things about that person, you know, you your bodily functions and all that stuff. Now you're getting thrown into a marriage where you've known this person for a day and you've got to go to the bathroom and they're like, whoa, that's, you know, most women don't want to do that around a man that early in a relationship. And, you know, uh, I just wonder like, how hard is it for you to, 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 to counsel and be a therapist to them when it's, when there's cameras around that. And that's a long way to get to that. I'm sorry. Well, well, we're not therapists to them. Because there are cameras, or, or just help them. It is not help a confidence. Yes, guidance we can mm-hmm. do. Uh, first of all, you should know that when we put them in apartments, they have two bedrooms and two bathrooms okay. usually, um, but at okay. least two bedrooms, so they have privacy if they need it, right? Um, mm-hmm. And yes. and secondly, we don't go in the bedroom with camera, and we don't go into the bathroom with the camera. So they mm-hmm. they have a little thing called a diary cam. They can turn on at night in the morning okay. to say good morning or to say good night um, or say talk into it about what they're feeling. But that's on and off in their control. Um, they okay. have their full days to themselves kept on weekends. So they have jobs. They're working. That said, huh. R- Sam's right. There's an that's there's a there's a pressure by having, you know, five or six o'clock. The crew shows up and asks you more questions than you feel like answering. Um, although there is always time for some private dates and things like that. 
you know, it's it's not for everyone, this thing, because of those cameras. I mean, but that's what mm -hmm. pays the bills, right? Um, and yeah. also, it's what teaches people. I mean, this isn't just for, you know, these couples. It's for everyone who's watching and learning about what to do and what not to do. Um, and understanding how these mm -hmm. couples work and understanding how relationships work in a much more in-depth way. I think we do a lot of good that way. Um, with Sam, um, I think Sam's a wonderful person. And I think what she would say and probably did say to you is, even if it didn't work, she found out a lot about herself that made her a better partner in the future. Um, and I, I, I think she Sam said that. Yes. feels that way. And I think a lot of her did that. Sam turned. She she could, Sam learned a lot. She she it was almost as if you knew her. You knew what she would say. She said exactly that. She's like, I learned so much on that show. I would do it again uh, because it taught. She's like, it taught me so much. And I think at the end of the day, it's it's a great it's a great show. It's a great experiment that that does work. In 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 rounding out our conversation. Uh, what is what do you think the key if you if people are listening right now and you could give them one tip, what's the key to having a what's something they could do to have a, a successful relationship if they're struggling right now and they're listening to in listening to this? Partner what they need to hear and what they need to see done that shows that you respect them. You know, always make mm -hmm. your partner feel like they're respected because then you can solve problems. Then you can have conversations. Then you can develop trust and then you can create love. But if you ever feel like the person goes after your dignity um, or you go after theirs, if they ever feel like they're not not respected, you have no foundation. Mm -hmm. So I would say that's, that's the great one advice. major well, thing to build on. Well, I like that. And communication. My my wife and I are constantly that we constantly communicate. If if I'm frustrated, I want to let her know why. And she lets me she lets me know why she's frustrated with me, which is a lot because she gets frustrated a lot with me. But you know, it, it <laughs> communication for us has been number one. So, hey, Doctor Pepper, thank you so much for spending a few minutes with me and you know, chatting about such a fun show. It, it, I would encourage people to watch it. What's next for you? Anything? Anything you want to share? Well, we're in the season. Next season, we're, we're just um, beginning Austin, this new season. And uh, these things take up a lot of time. I've, I did. I retired from the university uh, a year and a half ago. Um, juggling these two things was increasingly difficult. Um, finished a book last mm -hmm. year called Relationship Rx with uh, Jessica Griffin. Um, and I'm writing a column for Seattle Magazine. So still pretty busy. And then I've got two dogs and four wow. grandchildren and um, <laughs> a horse. I mean, I have a life, right? So um, you do. I'm, I'm very grateful for opportunities. Uh, I, I, want ask, I meant to ask you this. And it's very... Um, Okay. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, I meant, I meant to ask you this. What are your thoughts on, because I love these other two shows that I feel like are branches from this, or at least by the same producers. Uh, we used to love to watch Arranged on FYI. It, is, is that same producers, same creators? No, it's, it's different. 
creators. Um, I don't think it's from Kinetic Productions, but it might maybe. I'm wait. You know what? It's Lifetime, but it's different producers. Okay, and we also liked watching the Seven Year Switch. Okay, that was the Seven Year Switch. Can producers and Jeff. That was a well, great Jessica, show. Oh, really? Well, that's great. That's great. Yeah, yeah we, it was. A, it uh, was Jessica a great show. Griffin, we, who was on that show? She and I were together. Okay, but that's well, gone. Did, they, did you, you ever? Know, what can I do? Did Did you ever appear on that show? No, I wasn't involved in Seven Year Switch, but my friend and colleague Jessica Griffin was on it. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it was only two seasons, but we enjoyed watching it. And in a lot of ways, the ultimatum on Netflix is that show. Because you're, you're, you're swapping spouses for seven days and, or I think it's seven days. I can't remember what the, what it was, but, uh, it, two good shows, but married at first sight's the king. It's the daddy uh, of, of all of them. And, uh, we enjoy watching it, and I look forward to watching Austin. Austin's a great town. It, I'm going to be heading there in a month, so I'm excited to go to Austin, and uh, it's a fun town. So, thank you, Dr. Pepper, for spending a few minutes with me, and we'll continue to follow your career, and we'll tune in to Married at First Sight. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed talking to you too. <laughs> okay. I hope you truly enjoyed that conversation with Dr. Pepper Schwartz. Thank you, Dr. Pepper, for coming into the Work Advice family and spending some time with us. We are super excited that you chose to come talk to us. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Remember, like and subscribe, iTunes and Spotify. And slide into the DMs on Instagram. Follow us on Instagram, Work Advice for Me. You can email the show, workadviceforme at gmail.com. And always remember, this podcast is brought to you by Hopecast. And we are live and new every Tuesday. Don't forget, we have Reality Check with Heidi and Brad on Thursdays, every other Thursday. So you can start tuning into that. But other than that, I got to get out of here because I think I'm going to crack a can of Dr. Pepper open. Talk to my wife. So I'll catch you on the flip side. My name's Brad, and this is Work Advice for Me.